Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Just kidding. It's not Josh. Hello. Excited and blessed. Happy to see everybody. Thankful, Josh, for letting me have this AM slot for this lesson. Uh, I'm blessed by your presence. I'm opening up my Bible right now to Hebrews chapter 10. You'd be benefited if you'd be doing just the same thing this morning. Your presence here again is much appreciated. You've blessed me. Uh, if it's not obvious, based on the song choices from Brother Josh, uh, we're here to praise the Lord. That's what we're here to do. We're here to bring honor and praise to His name. We're here to lift Him up and to focus on Him and to focus on His things. We'll be benefited by looking in your Bible as we do that and studying along in this portion, which is dedicated to the study of God's Word. Like I said, I'm grateful for everyone's presence. I, I tend to repeat that quite a bit because I really do believe it. I think our presence here is impeccably important, and, and it's more than just physical uh, people in seats, uh, people in pews. Uh, it's our souls that are here that are in harmony, that are shining bright before the God of heaven. We're lifting up uh, worship to Him, and that's our purpose for being here. God is here amongst us. But there was a time where I didn't understand that. I didn't understand how, how valuable my presence and, and all of your presence at worship really was to one another and, and to God. I want to, before we get into the lesson, the, de- the, the meat of the lesson in the scripture, I want to relate with everyone here on a personal level. Before I came to Lakeside, a lot of you guys know this, uh, I kind of came to the doorstep of, of the church building like a, like a spi- with spiritual mange, like a mangy mud, a stray dog off the street, you would say. You know, uh, I hadn't had much to eat. Uh, I was, I, I was, I didn't know how to act, kind of. Uh, I was, you know, just, just a mangy mud, like I said, with that. With, with all the stuff that comes with that, like a stray coming in the street. And you guys have really helped take care of me and, and edify me. And, and by no means is that done, but, but I think I've come a long way from where I came. Before I, you, you know, out of the baptistry, uh, you know, I had a lot of zeal, but I was confused about a lot of things. Like a, a lot of young people do, uh, I needed guidance. I, I still do need a lot of guidance. Uh, one thing I really needed help with... Uh, when I, when I first started coming here, uh, was just the idea of coming to church. Uh, before I came here, I, the, the church that I was at before, I won't name it or anything. Uh, I just did. People didn't spend a whole lot of time really, you know, doing that discipling thing, making making me aware of all the things that come with the the life of being a Christian and and encouraging me to do the right things. And so, you know, all that I'd seen growing up, it was well, uh, I guess I'll go to church one time on Sunday. And I'll go in the in the morning service uh, so if I feel like it. You know, sometimes I forget Bible class. Bible class was never a thing at, at the church that I was at before. I I, I never went to it. Um, I I just wake up and I'd hit the snooze button. I, I'd always tell myself maybe I'm going to go today. Maybe today's the Sunday, but I would just hit the snooze button. And, and some days I would just hit snooze button right through the the AM service, but that'd be okay because I could just go make up for it in the PM service, and I could go punch my ticket there and feel okay with myself and. And soothe my conscience. Sometimes, though, I didn't even bother to soothe my conscience. Honestly, sometimes I just didn't go to church at all. And forget Wednesday night Bible class. That was never, ever going to happen. And why is that? Because I, I, was, I was an infant. I, I didn't know how to walk. I didn't know how to do anything. I, and I hadn't been, been raised up seeing people doing the right thing. So I, I didn't really understand the depth of everything that was going on in worship. To, to an untrained eye, to a carnal eye, what do we see here? Well, we see a lot of people dressed nice, yeah, prepared. See, see, everybody seems engaged, uh, like we're here to do something kind of important. Uh, people are shaking hands. There's a, a bit of friendliness. Some prayers are being lifted up to, to God. People are saying words, you know, kind of to God. We're, 
we're opening up open up the Bible. We're studying that. We're singing these songs. We're 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 hearing we're hearing that. There's there's going to be some some crackers and some grape juice consumed later. We're seeing that. that. That's all the kind of physical stuff that's going on. And for a while there, that's all that I saw in a worship service. I didn't see anything past that. I, and and I, I understood that maybe on some level that, that this is where I needed to be, but I didn't really understand the depth of it. Now, I don't claim even today to fully understand the depths of, of everything that's going on in this worship service today. Now, only God knows why He designed things to be the way that they are here in this service. But I do believe, and I will submit to you, that I have deepened my knowledge and my understanding of what's going on in a worship assembly since the days where I would hit the snooze button every Sunday uh, and skip Bible class and... and, and Punch my ticket in the PM service if I couldn't make the AM and, and, and forget Wednesday nights. No, those days are over now. Because I understand that, that there's something deeper going on in worship. If you'll read with me in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1, I want to draw out a principle from, from here in Hebrews 10 verse 1 that, that I think is going to make a lot of sense. Hebrews 10 verse 1. We're talking about the old law here. I know that. The law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities. So yeah, this passage is talking about the old law. And how it, it was a shadow of the things that were to come. And that things were, were going to be made whole and were going to be revealed uh, from the old law. Those shadows would be understood. And it's described as being a shadow. Now, I know that we're in the new covenant now. But what I want to do is I want to submit to you that there are still shadows that are being cast here in the new covenant. Why? Well, because even though Christ came to the earth and he did his work, he, he did his ministry here on earth and he gave his life. That the fullness of the light of the new heaven has not yet been fully revealed to us. We're not standing in that light currently. The new heaven is still to come. We read about that in Revelation 21. You can be turning over to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 5 if you'd like to get a jump on it. So then anytime there's a light, a shadow is going to be cast, right? Revelation 22 and verse 5. I'll turn with you over there. Revelation 22 and verse 5. Every time that there's going to be a light, there's going to be a shadow that's cast. So the light that's coming is the new heaven. Jesus is returning. Everything is going to be burned up to cinders. All the old things are going to pass away and things are going to be made new. The light at the end of the tunnel that we're promised is going to be that we're going to be with God who is the light. Revelation 22, verse 5. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. I submit to you today that right now we're standing in the shadow of of that promise and of that light. We're standing in the shadow of the light of what's to come. And what I mean by that, if you'll stick with me for this lesson, is that this very assembly that we're standing in today is a shadow of what's to come in the new heaven. The end of the tunnel, the light at the end of the tunnel that we're promised that that we're going to be with God. Our worship resembles heaven. In fact, heaven will be the last worship assembly. How is that so, you might ask? I hope I can show you that. You can be open to 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 25. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 25. I hope I can show you that, that we're gonna, that, that, that how the, the worship assembly that we're in now is going to mirror heaven. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 25. We're told that if a stranger came into an assembly, that, that they would know, that, that they would know that God is here based on this. Falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. That, that the things that we're doing here in this worship show that He is in our midst. 
that, that we're, we're interacting and we're, we're worshiping and reverencing the Lord and that's what's bringing us together. That God is here. God is here in this assembly and He'll be there in the last assembly. That's the biggest thing about our worship. That's what draws us to be here is that God's here. Now to disclaim it's true that in, in one sense God's everywhere. He's omnipresent. That's true. But He's here in a special kind of way. Uh, he, he's the reason that we come together. He sees the light that's that's being shown from our worship. And He comes and He abides with us here in this service as we come together. And and we know that, that we've placed this as a priority in front of in front of everything else because we're here. That, that we're worshiping God. He made this and gave it to us. James chapter 1. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. That's what we're told in James chapter 1. Every good and perfect gift. So what does that mean? That means sports, friends, family, sleep. Seconds, every second of the day that we have, every breath that's in our body, anything you might put in priority in front of God, well, He's the source of everything good. Everything good in your life, God gave it to you. So then, naturally, He deserves to be first on the list. If, In fact, He is the list. The list of everything good that you have comes directly from Him. He, he's come to be with us, among us, because we're His people. Now, let me ask you this. If you knew that your favorite celebrity or your favorite music artist or, or writer or whoever or, or, or just, just any figure that you look up to, if you knew that they were going to be here Sunday morning, how hard would you try to be here? Man, if you were sick, you would, you would try to reason with yourself. Man, maybe I can like put on a mask or, or I could, I could uh, just stay away from everybody. Maybe I can sit out in the nursery just to, just to be able to see the this person just to meet them or or maybe if you're maybe maybe if your car breaks down you're like i'm just going to jog the rest of the way i got time i can make it i don't care if i'm sweaty you know all the all the various things that you would do to say man i'm going I'm to bend over backwards to go see this person you would do everything that you could well since god is here shouldn't that have the same result well then why are we dragging ourselves out of bed to go hang out with god i don't understand that uh if, if, if your favorite celebrity was here, you'd do everything you could, not just to be here, you'd be here early. Cause you'd wanna, you'd be like, I wanna be there as soon as they come in the door. I wanna see them. I mean, not, not me, because I can't be early to anything even if I try. You guys know. <laughs> but, but the case is true that you would put this as a priority. In Exodus 19 and verse 9, in Exodus 19 and verse 9, you can be turning with me over there in Exodus 19 verse 9, the, the people, they knew that the people of God here, they knew that what they were going to do was important. They, they were about to see God. The people needed to prepare themselves for their meeting with the Lord here at Mount Sinai, Exodus 19, verse 9. Here's a little teaser for the VBS, by the way. Exodus 19 and verse 9. The Lord said to Moses, 19, verse 9, Behold, I'm coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. So what's the, what's the people's reaction to this? Uh, verse 10, The Lord said to Moses, Go to the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments. So why were they consecrating themselves? Why show up clean and orderly? Well, why do we do that here? I hope it's not just for appearances. I hope it's not just to look nice or just out of tradition, because that's what you do when you come to church. That'd be missing the point. No, no, no. Our clothing and our appearance represents and reflects our inward attitude, doesn't it? Right? We, 
We, we, if we don't come here in our PJs. If that's all we had, I wouldn't have a problem with that. But I'm saying, we, we come here dressed nicely because of the inward attitude that we have toward God. Because we recognize, it's not just physical, there's something spiritual, something important happening within these four walls every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night. And I hope it, like I said, I hope it isn't force of habit that you, you've prioritized this and you come here. And you spend time doing these things. I hope it's not just rote. Because God is here. And He's given us this time to spend with Him. And even this time right now, in His Word. And it's not me. This isn't selfish. I'm not saying this for me. I don't care if you pay attention to me. I want you to look past me. I want you to see that God is speaking to us through His Word in this part of the worship assembly. And, and And that we shouldn't wonder... Ask questions like wrong questions, wrong-headed questions like, is the PM service bound? Is Wednesday night Bible study bound? God's going to be there. You don't ask, do I have to be there when God's there? You say, do I get to be there when God's there? You want to go where God is. Every Bible study, every sermon, that's preparing you for heaven. That's preparing you for a conversation with God. I want you to look past me. I want you to look past Josh. I'm sorry, Josh. I want you to look past Danny. I'm sorry, Danny. Look past all the preachers that you've ever heard and realize that, that one day we're going to sit at God's feet. That we're going to hear from His own mouth the words of heaven. You guys, you guys, one day you have the opportunity to hear the original content. And you don't have to listen to bad cover artists like me. You can hear the original notes. So let me ask pointedly. If you don't like hearing God's word now, if you avoid hearing God's word now, if you don't have a hunger to, I have to get to church because I want to have a Bible study. If, you're, if you don't hunger for that, then how am I supposed to believe? How is God, when He looks at your heart, how is He going to believe that you just can't wait to sit at His feet in heaven? How is He going to believe that? Turn to Revelation chapter 21 and verse 3. Turn, turn to Revelation chapter 21 and verse 3. Revelation 21 verse 3. Be honest with yourself. Do you really, can you really say that you want this? If you're trying to do everything you can to, you know, think about anything else you can, sneak on your phone, whisper to each other during Bible study and during sermons. Where do you think you want this? Revelation 21 verse 3. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. God's going to be there. God's going to be in heaven. And I'm going to tell you this. His voice will overcome any distraction that you think that you might entertain yourself with during that. You won't be able to tune him out. Best preacher there ever was. So you're not going to be able to tune him out. You're not going to be able to elbow your buddy and whisper some, some, some little inside joke between each other. No. If you want that, then you should act like it in the worship assembly. True? You should be focused. To, 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 to come here... This isn't for your dad, it's not for your mom, it's not for outward appearances to the community, it's not for your boyfriend, it's not for your girlfriend. Why are we here? It's for God. It's for God. If you're not here for Him, I'm going to tell you this right now. You're wasting your Sunday. You're wasting your Sunday right now. So if you're not here for God, look inside yourself. You can just walk out right now. I don't care if you listen to the rest of the sermon. But if you are interested in God, and you do want to make it to heaven, and that's something that you do want, well then let me tell you this. While God is the reason that we're here, yes, He he is the reason. This Revelation 22 passage says He'll dwell with us, but it also says what? That He'll dwell with His people. Who are His people? 
His saints, the, all the saved, they're going to be there. We, we, the majority of us, we're, we're going to be there. The, 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 the ones that'll, the ones that'll strive and be faithful, we're going to be there. The, the saved of, the redeemed of all time. Just in our assemblies today, just like in our assemblies today, in the last assembly, the saints are going to be there. The saints are going to be there in the last assembly. Now, before we get too deep into this discussion, go ahead and flip over to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20. Go ahead and flip over to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20. If you were in Revelation a minute ago, 1 John 4 verse 20, it's right over there, uh, 1 John chapter 4 verse 20. Now, I know that I'm not, I, I, I can't expect everyone to be the extroverted, bubbly um, type of personality that, that I am. And that's fine. There are introverts and they have their own advantages. There are pros and cons to different kinds of personalities. And I'm not saying that you have to become an extrovert in this part of the lesson. I've got to disclaim that. But there's one thing that God does demand of His people. And that's found in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20. If anyone says, I love God, but they hate his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Well, this is our charge. And sometimes this can be like the easiest commandment in the world. And sometimes this can be like extremely, extremely difficult. But when everybody's smiling and shaking hands in the foyer and being nice, it's so easy, isn't it? When someone steps on your toes, all of a sudden it becomes very, very difficult to fulfill this command. But if you don't love your brother, you don't love God. It's a package deal here. Now, how many of y'all have someone that, are, that is in this assembly have, that has ever gotten on your nerves? That has ever tested your patience, rubbed you the wrong way, stepped on your toes, etc. Now, I don't want you raising your hands, and I certainly don't want you pointing fingers at anybody, okay? Especially not me, because I'm sensitive. But, but, serious question. Do you ever wake up dreading the social element of the worship assembly? Oh, i got to go to church. I mean, maybe you, maybe you love the singing. Maybe you love the praying. Maybe you love all the stuff that centers around God. But then, you know, you get out in the foyer and you're just one of these people that you're like, oh, this whole congregation. I've heard people say stuff like this all the time. This whole church is so X and this other church over here is so Y and it's so Z over here and it's all broken. And they're all there's all these fractures and and, and these people are, man, this church over here. Well, they're too in your face and they're too friendly. It just seems fake. And over here, nobody talks to you and they're all quiet. And over here, the, the singing's off key. And this congregation's just not really put together. This brother or sister, they always do this, that, or the other. And it just it twists me up. There are folks who just, man, the second the service is over, what are they doing? Boom, out the side door right away. It's like a, they leave a dust trail behind them. Like, there's like some papers rattling. You're like, hmm. You know? We see that. So what's going on with that? And I understand sometimes, again, a disclaimer, sometimes we got somewhere to be. You know, maybe, maybe, uh, Maybe a border collie came up to you in the parking lot and was like, little Johnny's stuck in the well and you just got to go. I get that. I understand there are things like that. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. What I'm talking about is real life. This is not lines for a sermon, guys. This is stuff that we're going to see all the time throughout the church. People who are just jilted. And, and because people are broken. We're fallen. It's true. But we have to be better than that. We have to strive above that. We have to transcend that because we're Christians. We strive above the partiality. We strive above the apathy and above the hatred and above the hatefulness against Christians. We can't abide with that. Hate means love less, right? So how is it then that 
you know, maybe you go to work and you chat up with your employees at the water cooler or you sit with your family and you guys all love each other and have a great time. But this is your spiritual family and you make a beeline for the side door as fast as you can. Or you go and you, you, you hold yourself away from everybody and you hide your struggles, you hide your wins and everything. And nobody knows what's going on with you here at this church. Why do you do that? Okay, I get it. Some people are more private than others, but we have to love each other. We have to expose each other to one another to love each other. That's just part of the territory. It's sacrificial. I know it is. And there are certain elements that do necessitate separations between brethren. Like Matthew 18, verse 15. If, if I have a sin, if someone sinned against me, what am I to do? Well, well am I supposed to avoid them in the foyer? And every time I see them? No. You go to that person and you reconcile to them. You ask their forgiveness. That's, that's the charge that Jesus gives us. If The, the, the passage says that that if they listen, then you've won your brother. You've won. That's a win. You've reestablished. You've reconciled with them. Do you want to win? Otherwise, you're losing. You're losing that brother or sister. That relationship's broken. And if it's going to be based on, if that separation is going to be based on anything except sin, which divides us. Well, Romans 14 handles that. We don't have to go there. Romans 14 talks about quarreling over opinions. You guys have heard me preach this so many times. I talk about this so many times. Opinions and personality and little quirks. Okay, you guys know I'm quirky. I'm weird. Don't let that brush you off. Get to know me, okay? Give me a shot. And that's the same for all all the brethren. We've all got our little quirks. We've got weird things. The more you get to know somebody, the more you find out they're not normal. None of us here are normal. I'm going to tell you that. That's an illusion. We're all weird. Okay, in our own ways, we're all weird. And as you get to know each other, that's what you're going to find out. But you know what you're going to do? You're still going to love them. You're going to love your brethren. You're going to love one another. Why? John 13, 35. Flip over with me there. John 13, 35. You're going to love one another. Why? Because that's what makes us Christians, that we help each other. We think the best of each other. We don't assume the worst. We learn to love each other. We're a family. Jesus said so. John 13, 35. By this, here's how we're going to know. Here's how we're going to know that you're a Christian. It's not going to be because you come to church on Sunday. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So for those of you that have problems fulfilling John 13, 35, maybe, I, maybe I'm talking and you're like, man, you know, I, I do feel a little disconnected. I do feel like there's a little bit of separation there. And, and you realize, part of that's on me. Well, what do we do? Well, I'm going to ask you this, and I think this is the right question to ask in this situation. Who all is going to populate heaven? What's that going to be like? Well, we said God would be there, but guess who else? Guess who else is going to be there? Again, most people in this room are probably going to be there. All the saved are going to be in heaven. Do you know who that would happen to include? You know who that would happen to include? The person singing off key in the pew behind you. Yep, yep, they're going to be there. How about the awkward handshake in the foyer that kind of does this number there? Yep, they're going to be there for sure. As you're trying to make your beeline out the side door, how about that brother that, that, that holds you there for 15 minutes having an awkward conversation of 15 minutes of small talk that you just can't escape? Are they going to be there? Yes. Yup again. They're all going to be there. Every single person. They're, they're, they're going to be there. All the saved. So how can you really expect me? Really, actually, no. Again, forget me. How do you expect God? How do you expect the Lord to think that, oh, you just, you hunger and thirst for heaven so much that when you come to the, when you come to the worship assembly, you, you make a beeline for the door. Or maybe you don't even come. Because you don't want to, oh, I don't like the social element of coming to church. And, and, and you really think God's going to be like, oh, yeah, come into heaven and, and, then, and then open you up to spend eternity with those same people? How is it? How are we supposed to believe that? 
that's 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 false. The, the truth is, if you aren't comfortable here, if you're not comfortable being around the people of God, I'm going to tell you something, and this is going to be tough, but you just got to get comfortable. You need to learn to love everyone here. And I know it ain't going to be easy all the time. And I know that this is a process. That it doesn't just happen like that. Like, oh, let me just switch on my love for my brethren. No, that doesn't happen. You have to learn each and everybody's individual quirks. You learn their stories. You learn their struggles. You sacrifice yourself and you look past yourself and you look to them and you even look past them and see the soul that's within them and you even look past that and see God dwelling within them because they're Christians. And that's what we're doing here. And that's the mission we've been given. So what you can do is, if you've got some partiality toward brethren, if you're, you know, you, you kind of regard, oh, well, well, brother so-and-so over there, well, that's my brother. But, but brother so-and-so over here is kind of like my brother. You know, if that's your attitude, well, then here's what God has to say to you. He has to say, don't bother. Don't bother trying to fool anybody because you're not. Don't lie to yourself. You don't love me. You don't want to be in heaven. And if anyone says, I love God, but hates their brother, guess what? He's a liar. Plain and simple. So people, the, 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 the broken and the lost and, and the people that have been restored here in this assembly, they can't be your excuse for not coming to church. They're, they're one of the reasons that you do come to services. All the safe. So don't lie to yourself. Don't try and lie to God. Learn to love your family. Learn how to abide. Learn how to love your brother. That's part of what's going to make heaven so awesome. Is we've all gr- grown closer and closer in that bond of unity and we've been striving and we've been working toward this goal. And then we finally get to see that goal realized. The reality is there's going to be bumps in the road while we're here on earth. There's going to be little uh, awkward, jilted moments here and there. But at the end of the day, our goal of being perfectly in unity and perfect love for one another, that will be achieved. And this is just a shadow of what's to come. So do you want to be there? You need to decide now. This is an invitation. But I, need you, I, I want you to think about this. Do you want to be there at this point? Now, God's going to be there. The saints are going to be there in heaven. Now, you're thinking about this and you're thinking, well, yes and yes. And you're going to answer those at face value. But I'm saying God's going to be there. And what that means is, my notes are on the floor. And what that means is that God's going to be there. So he's, his word is going to be present. He's going to be giving his word at all times. That's, that's going to be, you're going to be exposed to the nature of God. You're going to know him intimately, just, just the God of Scripture. So do you want to be here? What's drawing you here? Are the scriptures drawing you here? Is the preaching, is the teaching drawing you here? Is that enough for you? Well, how about the fact that, 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 that we're praising God? That we're bringing praises to Him? How about that? Is, it, is that good? We're doing that through prayer? We're doing that through song? We're making supplication to Him? God's, God's here. Is that enough for you to come to church? Is that enough for you to want to be here? Not to ask, do I, do I have to come here? But to want to be here as much as you can? How about this? The saints are here. The, 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 the saints are all here. And not all the saints, but, but the saints, the, the Lakeside Church of Christ, we're here. We're here every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, we're here. We need your encouragement. We need your, the accountability that comes with that. We need you. Is that enough? Is that enough for you to want to be here? We're all, gonna, we're all trying to go to heaven to be together. Is that enough? How about this? Let me ask you this. What if I told you that Jesus is going to be there? That He's coming. Every, every first day of the week, Acts 20, verse 7, we take the Lord's Supper. That's something we do here in worship. I haven't talked about it at all. But that's what we do, isn't it? Look in Corinthians 11. That's where I want you to turn. Corinthians eleven twenty six. 
That as often as we eat the bread, 1 Corinthians 11.26, as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup, what do we do? 1 Corinthians 11.26 is going to come right after the sermon. As often as we eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. So when we come together every Sunday morning, when we come together Sunday night, we experience a memorial of Christ's sacrifice. And we do that in what? In eager expectation that He is coming again. And why? Because we believe that right now at this very moment that Jesus is in heaven. That's where that light's being cast that I talked about in the beginning. That's what's cast in the shadow of this assembly that's mirroring heaven, that's, Im- that's giving us the image of heaven. So when it comes time for the last assembly, we'll know. We'll know that it's time for the last assembly because Jesus is up there now, but He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back for that last assembling of the saints and He's going to be there for eternity. Yes, Jesus is in heaven as we speak. He came, he came to this earth. He wrapped Himself in flesh and He gave His life for us. Look in Colossians 3. Colossians 3. Colossians 3, and start in verse 1. Flip over there. We'll be able to draw some good points for it for the purpose of this lesson. Jesus endured punishment for, of the cross. He bled and He died for all of us. That's the message of the Gospel. But He didn't meet His end there. He defeated death. After doing so, it says He sat down at the right hand of God and the Father in heaven. I know that because of many verses. Colossians 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. In the Colossian letter, Paul argues that Christ has done His work of coming to this earth and dying for us, we should die too, die to our sin so that we can change our frame of focus. And that as a result of that, Our minds should not be fixed on worldly things any longer, no, but heavenly things. And so that's what this this assembly is. What we desire, what we're meant to desire, what we're meant to thirst and starve for, to seek after, seek first, that's here. What this is, is a time for us to center our minds on God. It's, It's truly an oasis in the desert where we can all be together and we can all have, have a drop to drink in this, this veritable sandstorm and this whirlwind of sin. But we need to know why. And I'll tell you, Matthew 18, verse 20, that Jesus is here. Matthew 18, verse 20. He says, Matthew 18, verse 20, Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. So maybe for those of us that are struggling to, service, to come to services, We just need to understand why. We just need to know why it is that we're doing this. So why do we, why do we take the Lord's Supper together? Well, that's because we know that Jesus is coming. And we're proclaiming His death until He comes. We wait for the return of our Savior. We come together to love and to praise Jesus and to think about the sacrifice that He gave for us. We proclaim Him together because we know that one day we'll see with our own eyes that He didn't die for nothing. Why do we offer the prayers that we do in this assembly? Because we know that there's a day coming where we'll be able to speak with God directly. We'll be able to praise His awesome glory face to face and we won't have to bow our heads and close our eyes because we'll be able to talk with Him. We'll be able to exchange with Him. We won't have to pray anymore to be delivered from broken relationships. We won't have to ask God for help in financial woes and troubles. We won't have to ask God for help with cure from illnesses or ease the sorrow and pain of, of losing loved ones, of loss. 
We pray together because we know that one day every tear will be wiped from our eyes. And we have that confidence. Well, why do we listen to God's word then? Another thing we do in worship. Why do we listen to God's word? Because we know there's going to be an assembly where we can hear every word again, not from a bad cover artist like myself, but directly from the original source, from God. We can understand every minutia of everything that God has done by his hand, that every mystery will be revealed and every suffering and every striving will cease. And it'll all make sense. That's why we look in the Word together, so that we can make sense of this wicked world that doesn't ever make sense on its own. That seems to toss and turn us. We know that one day, we know that God will make sense of all of it to us, and it all makes sense by and by. Well, why do we sing together? Why do we sing together? I'll tell you. Flip over to Revelation 19 already. Flip over to Revelation 19. We're going to read from there in a second. So why do we sing together? Because we know, we know that the harmony won't always be perfect, especially if I'm there. We know that sometimes the key might be off. We know the tempo might be a little too slow. We might know it might be a little too fast. Sometimes the song leader's voice might give out. But we know that in the last assembly, no one's voice is going to grow hoarse. We know that we we can rest assured that we're going to sing together in a mighty way for the Lord who delivered us. Revelation 19 verse 6, where John tells us of the future hope that is waiting for us when the shadow passes. Revelation 19, verse 6. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty pearls of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lord of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. What will we sing in this scene? We'll sing the glory of God. The Almighty will sing together that the, 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 the marriage of the Lamb that He gave His life for us. That we're, we can have that role of being His bride as He returns as a mighty lion. Noble. No longer crowned with thorns. No longer soaked in blood, but beaming with the full radiance of heaven. Not to cast a shadow. And we, the church, will serve as Christ's bride. Verse 9, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now the invitation is set, obviously, here in this verse. To each and every one of you, Christ is waiting for the moment. He's in heaven. The moment could come at the end of this sermon. This very well could be our last assembly here on earth. So look within yourself now. Perhaps you haven't faithfully been attending the worship here. And perhaps you you have the attitude of, Not do I get to come, but do I have to come? That's sinful. That's separating you from God. You won't make it to heaven. Because why? Because deep down, you don't want to be there. You don't want to be where God is. You don't want to be where God's people are. You don't want to hear the things that are of Christ. Or maybe you come to worship. Maybe you come to worship every time the doors are open. But maybe you're checked out when you do. That's worse. I'd rather just assume not to come to church is to sit there like a hypocrite and let my mind wander on a million different things and think about everything but God. I'm not sure. I'm not sure which is worse, but I know that both need to repent. If you've not been faithfully coming to services, you need to correct your life. This is, this is the shadow of heaven. And if you're sitting here and you're still forsaking the assembly in your mind, you still need to correct your life. One last passage, Hebrews 10.25. 
Not neglecting to meet together. You guys thought you were going to get through a sermon about attendance and you weren't going to hear Hebrews 10.25? Hebrews 10.25, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You get that last part? I'll slow it down. Not neglecting to meet together, but encouraging one another, as you see the day drawing near. And that day is drawing near. So don't excuse yourself. Don't justify. Don't make a million excuses. Change your mind. Change your heart toward worship. See what this is. Come to church. That's my sermon in three words. Come to church. Be here. Come to God. Come to be with His people. Come to Christ. That's your invitation. If you, do you have Christ? Have you put Him on in baptism? Maybe you have and you haven't been living faithful. Maybe you need to get your mind right. Whatever is your need, I'm going to be standing right over here as soon as I pick up my notes off the floor to help you as we stand and as we sing.